In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome into episode 50 of We Went Blues, the podcast with former Blues defenseman Barrett Jackman and myself of the Athletic St. Louis. Barrett is not with us this week. He's probably attending another Hall of Fame ceremony in Western Canada, so you're stuck with me. But Blues fans, boy, do I have great news. The John Kelly, the voice of the Blues on the TV side, Fox Sports Midwest, and a very good friend, has agreed to come on and be our special guest. We're going to talk to John about how he's doing. Of course, uh, he had a bout with the coronavirus. Also, there's nothing more than his dad would have wanted to do than announce the Blues winning the Stanley Cup will relive memories of his dad and also tell you how Chris Kerber, the radio voice of the Blues, made it possible for the Kelly name to be behind the microphone for the Stanley Cup final. And with the NHL set to enter phase two, we'll get JK's thoughts on the return of hockey and what he's heard about how the games will be broadcast from the pod city. So we're going to get into a lot, but right now we want to bring in the voice of the blues, John Kelly. John, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jeremy. Thanks for having me pinch hit for the great Barrett Jackman. I appreciate it. He was a great blue. Number five, old number five. He was, he was, he was one of my favorites. And you called a lot of his, uh, his games. Uh, before we get going here, John, uh, Barrett Jackman to me, one of the more underrated uh, blues he is a guy who uh, wore his heart on his uh, sleeve and they didn't win the championship of course uh, when he was on that roster but he played a big part in shaping this organization well no question he was a great mentor to some of the young blues defensemen that are on the roster now and you know I think a couple of things stand out to me when talking about Barrett he was the ultimate team player on the ice Um, he'd do whatever it takes to win Uh, block a shot or or get into a fight or provide a big hit or whatever. He also scored some big playoff goals, as we know, Jeremy. But I think just as important, he was a real leader off the ice, in the locker room, treating the trainers and the medical people and the equipment people the right way, uh, the media. Um, he, He really was a pro's pro, and we certainly miss seeing him around Enterprise Center on a daily basis. But I have the utmost respect for Barrett and his great family as well. We do miss seeing him, and we miss seeing you, John. I know I've uh, spoken to you on the phone a couple times, uh, wrote an article about you that uh, we'll touch on later on. Uh, The reason for the article was that you did have a bout with the coronavirus, and uh, by all accounts, you're doing well. Just give us an update on how you're doing and how you're feeling. Oh, I've been feeling great for really a couple of months now, Jeremy. Um, I was diagnosed in, in late March. I actually went to the urgent care on March 16th, the Monday, and I had pneumonia. And basically in a week, I was feeling pretty good. And 
um, after two or three weeks, I would say I was 100%. So uh, I've been tested for the coronavirus again, and that test was negative. And I did test positive for the antibodies, which is good. So, um, yeah, the bottom line is I'm feeling great and my family is doing well. And um, I, I certainly wish and hope that obviously that this virus can can go away and, and we can sort of get back to normalcy. But obviously that's going to take a while right now. And, and I realize uh, not everybody is fluent on uh, on how it works uh, once you have the coronavirus, but uh, you did test positive and, and you had the antibodies and you were able to make a decision to go in and donate your plasma, which helps others. Can you tell uh, tell us about that? Yeah, Jeremy, I have a, a family friend that works at Washington University and she called me and said they were doing a study like a lot of universities are around the world, quite honestly. Um, so she asked me to be part of this study where I'd go in to the Red Cross and donate my my plasma. And that's what I did about a month ago. Um, it's a very simple procedure. It's very painless. Um, you basically just have to donate your blood. It takes about 90 minutes or so. And it, it's sort of amazing to see what happens, Jeremy, if, if people have never donated their blood. In this situation, um, they extract your blood from one arm. It goes into this machine and it it takes out the plasma and then they put uh, the blood back in your your other arm. Um, so it's it's painless. And again, it takes about 90 minutes. And they say that uh, every time somebody donates, it can help three or four people perhaps recover from COVID-19. So that's what I did. And, and hopefully it did help somebody recover from this disease. Absolutely terrific. That's great, uh, J.K. And and uh, everybody knows that's what kind of person you are. And, and so that story uh, certainly uh, doesn't surprise anyone. Uh, the support of your family, the blues and the hockey community. I know when you guys uh, came out and announced that uh, that you had had it, uh, it was looked like it was pretty overwhelming from the outside looking in. Well, it was. I was um, flattered by uh, obviously a lot of people reaching out to me and my family and you know offering prayers and support and it was wonderful and i had great support here at home with my lovely wife jennifer and my three kids they they obviously um were, were a great aid to me and um i thank you jeremy for doing a story I, I the famous line that i think i take from that article was when my wife jennifer said well you know he's getting up there i thought i thought that was hilarious <laughs> and you know what i am getting up there i have another birthday coming up in july and um but that's a good thing that we're getting up there but in all seriousness, they were great, and they helped me get through it. And again, I feel great right now. Yeah, and I love Jennifer, and uh, got a chuckle when uh, she said she knew something was wrong with you when you uh, said it was okay for her to drive your brand new truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm I'm pretty uh, um, persistent about that truck, and and it's a new truck, and it's sort of like your golf clubs, Jeremy. You don't really want anyone else using them. And uh, so that day that I was really sick that you're, you're referencing, um, we got into the car and in my truck and, and she drove me to the urgent care because I was just not feeling up to it. But um, that, that's exactly what happened that day. So it was sort of a funny story that she yeah. brought it up. <laughs> 
And JK, uh, just it's got to feel so weird not broadcasting games right now. Obviously, uh, there was a reason to pause the season and uh, and not play hockey. And, and as we get into the show, the podcast later on, we'll talk about uh, hockey returning. But I got to believe that for you, somebody who's been around hockey your entire life, just so bizarre to be here in uh, late May, early June and, and not calling games. Yeah, it's it's been obviously uh, different for everybody, for the broadcasters, the players, the coaches, obviously the fans. You know, the spring is always my favorite time of year, Jeremy, with the Stanley Cup playoffs and, you know, the Masters. I love the Masters in April and the U.S. Open, of course, in June every year. I'm a big golf fan. Uh, baseball, of course, is normally going full swing at this time. So it's it's been very different. So now we have to adjust to the new normal. And at least for this year, that new normal will be playoffs coming up in hopefully late July or August and, and, and through the fall. But it obviously is very strange. And it, it sort of came out of the blue, quite honestly, for everybody. Um, but I sort of got an inkling, you know, that night in Anaheim, we were doing, um, as it turns out, our, our last regular season game. When we got word midway through the game in Anaheim on March 11th that the NBA was going to suspend its season. And and I think we all knew right then that the NHL would follow suit, and that's what they've done. And it, it was obviously the the only decision. It was the right decision um, because this has been such a devastating pandemic for not just North America, but the entire world. But it, it is strange, and um, I, I think that for the most part, people have adhered to the the rules of social distancing and, and we all quarantine for at least a month or so. And it, it just is a strange new world, but hopefully we get back to some kind of normalcy here in, in late summer and, and into the fall next year. Uh, but it certainly has been a strange time for everybody. Yeah. We've all missed a lot, John, uh, being at the rink and, and seeing you on an everyday basis. What do you miss the most? What's the number one thing? And please don't tell me it's being around Panger. <laughs> Well, we're good Ottawa guys, so we're, we're pretty tight. But, you know, Jeremy, I, you know, I miss the games. And, you know, as a broadcaster, that's the best part of my job. Um, not to say that the other parts aren't enjoyable. Um, I have a great job. I'm very fortunate. You know, whether it is, you know, going to practice and, and into the locker room and talking to the players or talking to head coach Craig Berube or visiting with, with members of the visiting media um, our fellow broadcasters, you know, it's always great to see a lot of very familiar faces and just talk hockey. And, and that's a great part of my job. But the best part comes when they drop the puck at 7.08 and you get to call an NHL game. And especially come playoff time, Jeremy, um, it's the best hockey. It's to me, it's the, the best sport in the world come playoff time. So that's probably the, the what I miss the most. Are, are the games and getting to call the games. And let me pump your tires, uh, if I can, for just a moment. You know, I've been covering the Blues for 15-plus seasons. I've been in locker rooms for 20 years. And a lot of the play-by-play -play announcers, uh, you know, some aren't at every practice. Sometimes when they do show up for practice, you know, you might stand in the locker room, but it doesn't mean that you make your way around the locker room. John Kelly is at every locker stall listening to every scrum. He has private conversations with players. And uh, what you hear on the broadcast, when you hear him talk about a player's change his stick or, you know, his uh, his uh, family's in the building that night, he's spent the better part of the morning talking to the player 
uh, just about that. So, John, you really do your homework. And I got to believe uh, in your mind, that's a very important part of the job. Well, I, I think it is, Jeremy. I think that that hockey broadcasting in particular has evolved over the years and over the decades. I know that, you know, when my father was a broadcaster and, of course, he passed away in 1989, um, it was what I would call old school, Jeremy, is the play-by-play announcer called the game. And then when the whistle went, then the color um, analyst came in and he talked about the game and the last play and, um, you know, things like that. And then when the puck was dropped, the play-by-play announcer went back to his duties. Whereas now it's more of a conversation and, and Darren is such an outstanding analyst that he'll jump in um, when the play is going on, as you know, and, and interject something, um, maybe tell a quick story. And at the same time, I feel like I've got to be up to date on the things that are going on with, you know, the blues and the coaches and perhaps their strategy and obviously the other team. So I think it's changed that it's now more of a conversation And I think that if you're a play-by-play broadcaster and if you're not up to date and you're not informed and doing your job, then I think you're missing out. So, um, again, I think it's evolved over the years, and and that's the way it is right now. And and I'm fortunate to work with a a great color analyst and Darren Pang and our producer, Tim Papps, director, Phil Mollick. I think we have an outstanding crew, and obviously I hope that the, the fans enjoy our broadcast. Oh, that's a great look at it, John. Uh, you know, I'm curious, how do you keep your broadcasting uh, sharp? Yeah, I know that you go through the off season, and so you do every year go through several months without uh, calling games. But I remember going to a broadcast camp, and Kevin Harlan was there, the great Kevin Harlan. And he said sometimes he'll drive down the highway and just announce the highway signs, the road signs. If we put a dash cam in your truck, in that brand-new truck yours, would we uh, hear and see you uh, reading those billboards on the highway? You know, I don't do that, Jeremy. That That's an interesting thought, though, that I think Kevin Harlan is one of the outstanding broadcasters in, in North America. Um, but, you know, one thing that I think has helped me is is I like to listen to tapes um, of my old of games that I've, I've done in the past. And, of course, with the pause, Fox Sports Midwest and NHL Network, they've replayed a lot of the games from last year. So, I mean, I've watched the entire Winnipeg series. Um, I watched the entire series from the first round victory against Chicago back in 2016 um, and and some other big games uh, that the Blues have been involved in. So I'll watch a game, Jeremy, that perhaps I did and and pick out things that I think that I could do better. Um, As a matter of fact, there was one game I was sitting here a few weeks ago watching with my kids. It, It was a playoff game from last year. And I kept using the phrase, a drive, instead of mixing it up and saying a shot or um, a blast or whatever uh, other word or adjective you would like to use. And at the end of the game, I said, you know, all I said all night was a drive. So, you know, you pick up things and all broadcasters fall into habits where they they use the same word or the same phrase. And I, I think that when you see that and hear it yourself, then it makes more of an impression. So obviously that is something that I would like to do better. And obviously um, that was just one example of where I think I could improve and, and um, you know, not make that same mistake down the road. So what you're saying, what you're telling me here is that when you're, when you're in your truck, you're belting out a queen or a meatloaf song. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Jeremy, I never, I, I, I took uh, high, high school, um, 
chorus classes and I was never a singer. So I don't pretend to be. <laughs> um, my wife, Jennifer, is certainly much more skilled in, in that area than I am. When we come back on episode 50 of We Went Blues with special guest John Kelly, we're going to talk to him about his legendary father. There isn't a place I've been with JK. We go out to lunch a lot on the road where somebody uh, doesn't come up and tell him that his dad's the reason they're a hockey fan or a blues fan. We'll also ask JK about what he thinks his dad's most famous goal call was. That and more on episode 50 when we come back on We Went Blues. With basketball potentially returning soon, the debate rages on. Who is the GOAT? One thing we do know for sure is Manscaped is the GOAT for men's grooming. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced while designing your own triangle offense down under. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 water resistant cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. Play it safe with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com get 20% off and free shipping with the code theathletic at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code theathletic back with john kelly on episode 50 of we went blues the podcast barrett jackman uh, not with us today but we do have uh, jk here and and jk everybody knows that your dad was the voice of the st louis blues but what some people may not know is that uh, you guys uh, originally came from ottawa and it was the legendary scotty bowman who recommended your dad to the solomon family the former owners of the blues tell us that story why your dad decided to come to st louis well, you're right, Jeremy. He he was born in Ottawa like my mother was, and, and I was born in Ottawa, Ontario as well. And, and he was a broadcaster up there. He was working at the time as the studio analyst in Hockey Night in Canada. So he'd work every Saturday night, usually in Montreal. He was also doing play-by-play for, for a Sunday night game, I believe, on CBC Radio in Canada. And, of course, the Blues came into the league in 1967. And during that first season, the broadcasters – were Jack Buck, Gus Kyle, and Jay Randolph. And they probably did five or six or seven games on television. Um, But after that first year, I'm not really sure why, but I assume um, Mr. Buck came to uh, Robert Highland of X, who, of course, was the longtime boss there, and and probably said, it's just too much. I can't imagine a broadcaster doing, you know, 162 baseball games and then do a full hockey season. He must have been exhausted. So either way, the Blues were in the market <laughs> for a new play-by-play broadcaster. And Scotty Bowman, of course, was the coach and general manager. And he was the former coach of a pro team in Ottawa. And my dad was the broadcaster. So they became friends. And a long story short, he recommended my dad to the Solomons. And they passed his tape along to Mr. Highland. And one thing led to another. And he, was, uh, he got interviewed that summer. Uh, the summer of 68, and, you know, he accepted the job here as the play-by-play voice of the Blues in 68 and um, worked there for 21 years. But uh, my, my dad's great friend, Scotty Bowman, who, who still lives in in Sarasota and also in Buffalo during the, the summer, 
Um, he's the guy that recommended my dad for the job. And John, a story that I know you're familiar with, I wrote about it uh, in 100 Things Blues Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. I interviewed Scotty uh, for the chapter about your dad. He said that your dad was kind of mulling over the offer and didn't know if he was coming. And uh, the Solomons said, hey, uh, Scotty, what's going on with Dan Kelly? Is he coming or not? And so Scotty picked up the phone and he said, uh, he said, Dan, what's what's the decision? Are you coming? And your dad said, uh, hey, do they have a Chinese restaurant in uh, St. Louis? And so Scotty passed that along to the Solomons and they said, uh, tell them we'll build one. So they were willing to build a Chinese restaurant in St. Louis just to get your dad. Yeah, sort of a funny story. You're right. And uh, my dad, uh, anyone who knew him, he loved his Chinese food. He also loved his steaks and his red meat. And uh, almost, you know, every night after a game on the road, you know, back then, Jeremy, as you know, uh, the Blues flew commercials, so they would always stay over. So my dad would would, would get his buddies and whoever it may be, a, a writer who covered the team or a fellow broadcaster, and he'd go out for a big steak dinner um, after a game. So he was he was legendary with that. And, and yet you're right. He did love his Chinese food. And uh, there were some good places in St. Louis that he did like. And um, that's a true story um, that that Scotty and, and Solomon <laughs> said that build one. I don't think they actually did, Jeremy, of course, um, because there certainly were some here in St. Louis. But uh, that was a true story. Yeah, <laughs> well, I would frequent it if they did build one there. Uh, he would go on to call every single point of Bernie Federico's career. And after number 1,000, uh, Bernie gave him that puck you once told me. And you told me what uh, Bernie wrote on the puck. says, thanks, Dan. You've called them all, hopefully many more. Just, John, the, the respect that your dad had from all the players back then. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's uh, you know, the players today, Jeremy, are great. I can count on one hand. Uh, the bad eggs that I've met in the game of hockey, and I've been lucky enough to be around the NHL since 1988. Um, but there's no question that the broadcasters and the writers were closer to the players than they are today. And it's just a different world. That's the way it is. Um, but you're right. When when Bernie accomplished that great feat, he gave him that puck, which was an unbelievable gesture. I'm sure that Bernie would have loved to have kept that puck as a keepsake for his family over the years. But, you know, I just think he knew what my dad meant to blues fans. And, you know, back then there wasn't obviously satellite TV and a lot of the players, families, Jeremy would, would listen to the games on Campbell X, whether they were in, in Chicago or in Toronto or in Bernie's case in Saskatchewan, um, a lot of nights it would, it would boom in there and they could listen to the game. So, uh, that was a great gesture. Another gesture um, that that a player did for my dad was the late Barkley Plager, who was great friends with my dad. Um, Barkley played in in a couple of All-Star games as a blue. And, you know, back then, Jeremy, they used to give the players a ring, um, a memento from playing in the game. It was a very nice ring, and all the players got one. And my dad, of course, would broadcast the All-Star Games. He did 16 Stanley Cup Finals. So anyhow, Barkley gave one of his All-Star rings to my dad um, and said, basically, um, you don't get a ring, but you're calling the games. And in our mind, you're an All-Star. And he actually gave my dad his All-Star ring that I believe my family still has today. So it was an unbelievable gesture um, from the late Barkley Plager to my dad. 
And well-deserved again, once again. Hey, John, uh, we've talked about your dad's famous goal call. And recently, uh, TSN aired the 1987 Canada Cup. And your father, of course, was on the mic for that. Canada and Russia split the first couple games. And Russia was leading three to nothing in game three. Uh, later, though, it's it's a 5-5 game. There's a face-off in Canada's defensive zone. Uh, Pierre Lebrun, my colleague at The Athletic, recently wrote about this series. And when he set the stage for that final minute and a half of game three, he wrote, the legendary voice of the late Dan Kelly still resonates here. We're going to ask you about the call in which Gretzky sets up Mario Lemieux for the goal-ahead goal with uh, 126 left. But let's hear that call first. You've probably heard that call uh, hundreds of times. Uh, you've told me that you believe that's uh, the best one he's ever called, and he's called so, so many great ones. And the one thing, John, I wanted to ask you about, it's the crescendo, the, the rise in his voice till he gets to the point, and he just uh, drags the listeners with him. What a terrific call. Yeah, I think that that call, Jeremy, um, I've been asked about it a lot, and his greatest calls, and, of course, we just surpassed uh, the 50th anniversary of Bobby Orr's goal on May 10th, 1970 against Glenn Hall and the Blues. And, and I was interviewed by um, a gentleman up in Canada. Um, they did a wonderful piece on the 50th anniversary. And of course, he called the Bobby Orr goal, uh, which arguably, Jeremy, is the most famous goal in hockey history, considering it was in overtime of the final scored by one of the greatest players ever. I believe it was the Bruins first Stanley Cup in something like 29 years. But I think getting back to that goal by Lemieux, that, as you said, with the crescendo-like effects um, from my father, it was vintage Dan Kelly. And he also said he shoots, he scores, which he, of course, was known for. On the Bobby Orr goal, it happened so fast, he didn't say he shoots, he scores. He he used a different version of the call. But I think that that goal by Lemieux was, when you consider the players involved, and obviously it wasn't a Stanley Cup playoff game. It was a Canada Cup. It was a tournament. But I think that was arguably the, the greatest call he ever made. I was uh, getting goosebumps as we listened to it there, uh, JK. What a what a terrific call. And uh, I'm glad that people remember it uh, so fondly and, and that Pierre uh, included those lines in the uh, story that he recently wrote about that Canada Cup. Well, we're going to take another short break, JK. But when we come back, we want you to tell us about the kind gesture of Blues Radio Voice Chris Kerber. He made sure that the Kelly name was involved in the Stanley Cup final. I wrote about it at The Athletic. You can go back and find that article. Uh, but right now, I want to tell you about The Athletic and how you can sponsor this very podcast. I just mentioned that I wrote about John's bout with the coronavirus at TheAthletic.com. A lot of friends, family, subscribers have commented on the article. They've also asked me about the podcast we do each week with Barrett Jackman. We Went Blues. Some local business owners have asked me how they can sponsor the podcast. Most of our listeners are in and around St. Louis. So what better way to promote your business through our show? Our listeners are loyal and engaged just like you. So what better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast, We Went Blues, 
with former Blues defenseman Barrett Jackman. To advertise on this very show, just go to www.theathletic.com forward slash podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get back to you right away. So go to www.theathletic.com forward slash podcast ads today. John Kelly is with us on episode 50 of We Went Blues, the podcast, and JK. You know, some fans may not know that in the playoffs, the local announcers such as yourself and Panger, you call the first round and then you kind of turn things over to the national broadcast. But you were behind the mic for all seven games of the Stanley Cup final. Tell us how that came to be. Well, it was a great gesture by Chris Kerber. Uh, It actually, uh, the genesis of that was after game six against San Jose at Enterprise Center last year, the Blues, of course, won the game and won the series. Um, I had my family down, and we were in a private club, and they had the, the the Western Conference trophy in there. I believe it's the Campbell Conference trophy, Jeremy. And we were all in there taking pictures and, you know, having a cold one. And Chris came up to me and said, um, I'd like you to do a period of every game of the final. And I said, well, that's nice of you, Chris. Um, but you know, that's your, that's your job and your territory. And, and, you know, I don't want to do it. And he said, it's not really a question. It's I'm insisting. And he, he insisted I do it. And, um, I was honored that he would say that and want me to do it. And of course I did a, a period of every game of the final, the second period, as it turns out. So it was a, it was a great gesture and I had a, a ball doing it. It was a lot of fun and just to be there and be part of the broadcast when the Blues won their first cup was amazing. Um, so, you know, I, I really, Chris and I have been great friends since I came here in 04, as you have. And, and for him to do that, it was, you know, I've always used the word unprecedented, Jeremy, because I have never been aware of any other broadcaster. And it really, it occurs in all the sports, um, not in football, of course, because all the games in football on television are, are done by the network. But in baseball and in basketball, by and large, the, the local TV announcers get to do one round or, or none in the case of baseball. So they never get to call a, a championship series. So for Chris to do that, it was unprecedented. And it's something I'll always remember for the rest of my life. Yeah, when I talked to Bobby Plager, who's been around since uh, day one, when he found out about uh, what was going on there, Curbs giving you the mic for the second period, he said it's one of the kindest things he's heard in the history of the organization. So uh, when Bobby Plager's saying it, I think that means something. Yeah, because, you know, Jeremy, when you think about it, um, number one, it, it's, you know, Chris has done an outstanding job as the radio voice, and it's his job for him to give up that chair is, is as I said, unprecedented. And, you know, Jeremy, who knows what could have happened. As it turned out, the winning goal in Game 7 was scored by Petrangelo with eight seconds left in the first period. Well, there was a decent chance that the winning goal could have been scored in the second period by Petrangelo, and I would have had the call, and I would have been the one who would have had the honor of calling the game-winning goal in Game 7. Um, but as it turns out, Chris Chris called it, which is fabulous, and did a great job on the call. But, you know, Chris gave up the chair, but he also... He also could have been giving up one of the, the biggest moments, if not the biggest moments in Blues history um, to me. But again, it was just a, a great gesture. And 
And again, I really enjoyed doing those games in those periods. John, uh, with the pandemic, you touched on it earlier. A lot of these uh, stations like Fox Sports Midwest, like 101 ESPN in St. Louis, they're playing a lot of the games from the uh, the cup run and, of course, the Stanley Cup final against the Boston Bruins. You had the Schwartz goal in Game 5 against Winnipeg, the Maroon goal, a huge one, Game 7 against Dallas, the hand pass. It seems like you know every week we're reminded of something that happened a year ago at this time. If you had to take one memory, one thing that sticks out, from that cup run, what would yours be? Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious, Jeremy, game seven, when you win a cup and, you know, Petrangelo gets the the game winner, it's obviously the biggest goal in Blues history. But, you know, I think it's pretty obvious the pivotal goal was the Maroon goal in double overtime against Dallas. Um, You know, I watched that game from the Fox Sports Midwest suite. It's it's located behind the Blues goal that they, uh, they defend twice. Um, so I was I was at that end where Bennington made the save, Jeremy, um, moments before Maroon scored on that Ben Wraparound. I was sitting behind that net, and I could see that play developing, and I was thinking to myself, oh, no. And then Bennington got over and got his left pad down and, and basically stopped the puck right on the goal line. But um, I'll admit it, Jeremy, watching that game from, I would say, midway through the second period until – the game ended in double overtime. It was really, really hard to watch because I wanted the Blues to win that game so badly. And we, I think we all knew at that point the next goal was going to be the winning goal. So to, to watch that game as a, as a fan and not a broadcaster, it was torturous in a way. Um, but at the same time, when Maroon scored, it was just an amazing moment. And it, it just felt so good, um, you know, like the fans and, and everybody else who were cheering for the Blues. It was an amazing moment. But I'll admit, I was I was tortured during that game. It was just so intense, and Bennington was so amazing, and that St. Louis and Ben Bishop put on quite a show. Um, as a matter of fact, Jeremy, I mentioned I was in the Fox Sports Midwest suite. Well, next to that suite was um, a suite that was occupied by Ben's parents, uh, Ben Sr., and, wow. and his mom. So I was sitting there. And at times I'd look over and see the bishops and just imagine how they felt um, knowing that, you know, they're, of course, St. Louisans. And Ben was uh, he didn't, wasn't born in St. Louis, but grew up here. Um, but their son was was trying to steal that series in that game. And he almost did that. But his folks were in the in the suite right next to where I was sitting for that game. But I think, you know, the Schwartz goal in game five was obviously a huge goal. It, it basically gave the Blues a win in a 3-2 series lead. Um, but to me, obviously, it's it's pretty clear the pivotal goal in the in the playoff run was the goal by Pat Maroon in double overtime. And a couple months later, the Blues would uh, have the Stanley Cup and uh, each uh, employee was able to spend some time with it. You were one of those, uh, John Kelly, and uh, your day at the Cup, you had uh, some people over and somehow my wife and I made the cut. So uh, very thankful to you for that. Uh, but I know that uh, my wife also got to take a sip from the cup that night and you had Colton Pareko there to do the honors. He was, he was giving people uh, a drink from the cup. And so that's something that we will never, ever, ever forget. And we're just so uh, thankful to you for that. You and your wife, Jennifer, what do you remember about that day with the cup? And, you know, we spoke about your father earlier on. I know there were pictures of you taking it to his grave. That just had to be so emotional. Yeah, that actually occurred on another day, Jeremy, um, about a a couple of weeks later. Um, My dad is, is buried in a cemetery um, 
the same one that Bob Gassoff is buried in. So um, when the Blues came to me and, and said that the broadcasters would share a day um, and would have about a three-hour window with the Cup, it was obvious to me that we wouldn't have time to, to bring it to the cemetery. But the Blues were so nice, they said, well, there was another day that there was a window and, and Bobby Gassoff Jr. wanted to take the cup to his dad's grave. And, and again, my dad's grave is in the same cemetery. So they said that we could we could have the cup for a half an hour. So we took it to his grave. And um, my family was there, my mom and my sisters. As a matter of fact, uh, my sister Susan brought some audio recordings of my dad's calls. So while we were there with the cup next to his grave, we were playing those, those recordings of, of my dad. It was a very special moment. But getting back to the to the party um again we had a three-hour window and and uh yeah you and your wife crashed the party and, and had a great time jerry <laughs> so <laughs> no we, we were thrilled to have you there and um we had a great time and you know the biggest thing to me jeremy is is i have been fortunate enough in my career i you know i announced in colorado when they won a couple of cups and i never had the cup to myself like i did that night but i certainly was around it but the thing that really strikes me is when, when people who have never touched the cup or been around the cup get a chance to hold it or sip from it, how impactful it is and how meaningful it is. And it's life-changing for some of these people. So that was the biggest thrill I got from having the chance to have the cup for a couple of hours and, and host the party for a, a lot of friends and family that I, that I got to know over the years. And, and just how impactful that is, that moment that they get to pick up the cup or or take a picture with it, things like that. It's it, it really is amazing just how how in, impactful. That's the word I come up with. Uh, the Stanley Cup is um, to people who have never had a chance to be around it. Yeah, J.K. crashing that party. I think I pro- pulled my groin uh, trying to hurdle the uh, neighbor's <laughs> fence just to get back into that yard. So, hey, when we come back, uh, hockey could be making its way back with the announcement yesterday that Phase 2 will begin on Monday. We'll tell you what that means from the Blues. And we'll also ask J.K. what the accommodations might be for the broadcasters when hockey returns. But first, this word from Roman. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities, basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com forward slash blues for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com forward slash blues for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Back for a final segment with John Kelly on episode 50 of We Went Blues, the podcast. Uh, Barrett Jackman not with us today, but we do have the voice of the blues on the TV side 
John Kelly, enjoying this conversation. And John, you got to be excited to hear phase two will begin on Monday. The players can return to the rink. It sounds like the Blues are going to wait until they're absolutely ready. Uh, That's not a bad thing because players are going to take their time getting back to town. It's not mandatory. And, uh, and, you know, they'll trickle into town as it gets closer to training camp in July. What's your take on that? What's your take on the playoff format? And do you think uh, it hurts the Blues who are on top of the conference, but now will have to play round robin to keep their seed well i'm encouraged jeremy i think since since day one of the pause that gary bettman and the nhl they have been very honest about their willingness and desire to complete the season and you know have a stanley cup champion so i applaud them but this is a step this will be as you said phase two it's another step into returning so i'm encouraged um there are still some other hurdles to overcome um, but I'll be positive, and I think we will play, and and hopefully the Blues can win another cup and defend their their championship. But Jeremy, I think that this pause and you know is obviously done for the right reasons, but it's going to benefit the Blues and the Boston Bruins because of course they played more hockey than any team. The Blues played 26 playoff games last year, so I know that every team you know coming out of the pause, all 24 that will be involved. In, in the playoffs and, and, of course, the play-in round, that they'll be healthy. You know, the other advantage for the Blues, Jeremy, um, but like a lot of teams, they'll be healthy as the Blues get Tarasenko back. He's been out since late October. So uh, the Blues will be rested. Uh, they'll get their, their best goal scorer back in Tarasenko because he was due back in, in mid to late March, and they'll be on equal footing. But I think the rest will be the biggest reason why uh, this pause in particular will help the St. Louis Blues. Terrific. And we're all curious about the broadcast booth. I know you want to get back. I heard a report yesterday. The baseball announcers have already been told that if they have a season, they'll be broadcasting from a local facility, just watching monitors. What do you know yet about the plan for hockey? And if you had to do that, how difficult is that? Well, I think that will be the plan and the setup for for NHL and our games. You know, assuming we do the round robin games in the first round, that we would be in a studio here in St. Louis. So that's what I've been told is the most likely scenario. Um, I've never done it before, but I did talk to my brother, um, Dan Kelly Jr., and he's done it before. And, and, you know, it's a challenge. It's not the same. Obviously, you don't have the atmosphere with the fans and things like that. And, you 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 know, perhaps you can't see quite as well because you're at the at the mercy of the director and the cameraman. I mean, if, if the puck goes out of the camera range, well, you can't call the game because you can't see it. But you know, we'll make do and we'll get by and I'll just be happy to get behind a microphone and call Blues Hockey again. So uh, those would be the least of my problems, Jeremy. And we can't wait. And in the meantime, it was so great to uh, hear your voice again. Had a few phone calls with you over the past couple months, but nothing extensive like this. And always good to relive uh, some of those Stanley Cup memories and, and memories with your dad. So really appreciate you joining me today, JK. Oh, my pleasure, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. That was John Kelly on episode 50 of We Went Blues, the podcast. For other pods at The Athletic, Ryan Clark of The Athletic Colorado, he joined Ken Weeb and Murat Ates this week on the boarding pass to discuss his exclusive interview with Evander Kane and race and hockey at The Athletic. Remember to comment at the bottom of the podcast. We now have a comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. We Went Blues on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com forward slash We Went Blues, you'll get 40% off your subscription. 
So for Barrett Jackman, the Blues defenseman who was off this week, he'll join us next week for John Kelly. Uh, Thank you to him for joining us. I'm Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic St. Louis. Thank you for listening to Episode 50, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. 